welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week and it is time to talk about the Chaos Queen herself, the A-League women's, because, oh, mama, some things have gone down over this past week and it only gets more chaotic. We've got midweek fixtures and we have an absolutely enormous last round of games to be played this weekend. So, I can't wait. We obviously have heaps to talk about. Before we get into all of it, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friends, there was some weeks it's like, you know, really got to search for the love to see it. This week, they were overflowing. They were bountiful. So let us begin with some you love to see it. Angela, what did you love to see? I love to see Canberra keep up the good times from their end. Um, So they came to Melbourne. I did not realise, I feel really stupid, but then I was like, does Caroline Springs count as Melbourne? I'm sorry, actually, this is too, too soon into the podcast to be that mean. I'm very sorry to Caroline Springs, but it's far out. Anyway, but I love to see on the telly, once I realised that the game was happening, there's no Milivojevic's goal within the first minute of Canberra United's game against Western. Um, it was like in the 38th second, Hilary Beale did a bit of a doo-doo. She kind of, it was kind of her assist on this one. But credit to Vesna because she absolutely put her laces through it. It was a sensational shot. Um, it's kind of like she's, it's just what she's, become known for I think this season in terms of her goals um she only scores bangers it seems so good for her um and good for Canberra as well they won three nil a bit of chaos in well part of the chaos of this round I feel like there was so much more after this this was just the the tip of the iceberg with this opening goal so yeah uh yeah absolutely love to see it bangers all day from Canberra double thumbs up Double thumbs up. We love to see it. Sam, what did you love to see? I love to see so much about this entire round, but there are two moments in particular that really stood out to me. One was off the back of that Canberra comment from Angela, and that was the assist from Michelle Heyman for Vesemil Vojevic's second goal. It was the one of the sexiest passes that I have seen in this league. It, she was, I don't know how she did it, but she turned on the ball she ran in the opposite direction towards the right side as Vesna was coming in down like charging down the left wing she sensed that she was there she turned on a dime and she clipped a ball through three defenders and found Milivojevic just in like galaxies of space and she went in and scored was just like, like one of those passes that just makes you make noises you know so good. And on the occasion of her becoming the all-time appearance holder in the dub as well. So that was an amazing moment. But the second thing that I loved to see was a goal in the absolutely ridiculous game between Perth Glory and Melbourne City. And that was the goal to Sadie Lawrence. Sadie Lawrence, I don't think a lot of people really know very much about her, but she made her debut in the dub back in 2009. She's been around for a while and this was her first ever goal in the A-League women's. So, and the fact that she got it 
in this game as well. And hers was the goal that really opened the floodgates in the 70th minute for just six more goals to pour in. And, and the game ended up 4-3 four, four, in, in Perth's favour somehow. It was it was just ridiculous. That's Perth is ridiculous. I can't wait to talk about them. But, yes, both of those moments, how good. Love to see them. There, like, obviously, we're going to talk about that game. There was so much we love to see within that game. Slight aside, we're not getting into it, but Sam's currently wearing the new Germany away kit. I love to yes. see it because it is yes. stunning. It is stunning. 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 <laughs> but my you love to see it was also from that Perth-Melbourne City game because it offered so much to us and I simply love to see three Hannah's scoring because what are the odds that three people (laughs) with the exact same name, different spelling, because Hannah Lowry's like, I don't need unnecessary repetitive letters, Um, you know, they all scored in this game. So it was Hannah Wilkinson, Hannah Blake and Hannah Lowry all finding the back of the net and scoring some pretty spectacular goals while they were at it. Like Wilkinson's was real. Actually, no, I'm going to like, try and rank them they were all really really good um so definitely like if you haven't already watched all seven goals from that game keep an eye out for the for hannah cubed finding the back of the net we absolutely love to see it but god there was just it was such a big round so here's what happened this round the wooden spoon chaos derby delivered newcastle beat wellington three two Who would have picked that? I certainly wouldn't have. Canberra defeated uh, Western United 3-0. Sydney defeated Adelaide 3-0. Very costly draw for these two sides. It was victory one, Brisbane raw one. And then the piece de resistance, Perth 4, Melbourne City 3. So let us start with the most chaotic game of all. The way I want to set up this chat was, did anyone else find it absolutely hilarious that, like, the A-League socials kept referencing this seven-goal thriller that happened a few years back where, like, Sam Kerr was still at Perth, Melbourne City had all of their Matildas, and basically the whole week the build-up was, oh, my God, these games have, like, ridiculous amounts of goals. Here, look at this seven-goal thriller. And then we got a seven-goal thriller once again. They genuinely did. It was incredible manifestation, but... Let's talk about just how ridiculous this game was because obviously the win for Perth means that their finals hopes are still technically alive. It means the race for the last couple of places in the four is still very much alive and interesting. And just the way that this game played out made zero sense. It made no sense at all. So would one of you like to offer up the stats at just how ridiculous this game was? Yeah, so I I had to write, uh, like I, I haven't written very much about the A-League women's this season for a, a couple of different reasons, but I had to write about this round because of this game, because this game completely encapsulated everything that we love about this goddamn competition. This, this kind of game happens almost every season, whether it's Perth, whether it's Canberra, whether it's... There is always a, a, a game that just completely flips the script about who should win uh, and, and the momentum switches uh, over the course of 90-plus minutes. And this was, I think, the perfect illustration of all of that. Melbourne City, for the first 65, 70 minutes, were amazing. They were 
far and away the better team. They had so much more possession. They had so many more shots on target, so many more shots in general, more corners, more territory, more everything. And you would expect that given where both of these teams were sitting on the ladder and given their past history against each other, given the form that both of them were coming into this game with, that it would probably teeter in City's favour. You would expect this game to be fairly one and done. But come the 70th minute, it just seems like the universe was like, you know what, we haven't quite had the chaos game in this season just yet, so let's just make it this one. And then Sadie Lawrence goes and scores that goal and then everything just goes to chaos. And it was like you could, you could not take your eyes off it because the next goal was scored literally the next minute. That was that Hannah Blake absolute worldie after Melissa Barbieri basically just passed her the ball near the halfway line. And it was just back and forth, back and forth, goal, 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 goal. And it was like, what is happening? You could hardly like sit down and actually try to process it and try and figure out what was going on. But I think Alex Aparkas, the Perth Glory head coach, summarised it quite well in that he was um, very aware that his substitutions made a really, really big difference, particularly Sierra Hinson. Um, getting that extra energy on, getting someone to run at Melbourne City's defenders after they were tired um, and introducing a different kind of dynamic, which seems to really split apart what City had sort of been trundling away on for the, the first sort of hour. Um, <clears throat> it was just, it was it was madness. And like, back to your question, Marissa, about the actual stats. So here are the stats according to Dr. Google, right? So Perth had seven shots in total to 32 four shots on target to 11, 36% possession to 64, 308 passes to 550 with an accuracy of 62% to 77 and two corners to seven. And yet they came out four, three winners at the end. It's like, what happened? Just like, it's, it's, it's just the, it's the gif of the monkey going, with like gesturing with all the hands and just looking into the middle distance, not really knowing what to do or what to say. It was crazy. It was one of the best games ever. Sorry, that's so cute. Like best game ever. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, um, so I, this is probably TMI, but when has that ever stopped me? Um, I got quite poorly on Saturday night. So I was like, lying on the couch just I watched a lot of football that was quite nice you know when you're poorly Sam you experienced this recently you get to oh, just yeah. you have no excuses you're just like I'm resting I'm resting and yet the first half I was closing my eyes a little bit maybe I'm like okay so city that's nice like loving that Galich is back then Rojas huge but insane like giving all these compliments to city I'm like yeah 32 shots babes what's going on what yeah. what is going on um but i just i really have enjoyed this pair side this season and i think this is kind of emblematic of why they're just gritty and they they do get the job that they need to get done done and i'm just i think again um the kind of youngsters coming through we can harp on about them but like hannah lowry um just the way that she's developed and she's come become so much more like tougher as a player and is able to do so much more because of that um and yeah Sierra Hinson I know there was like so many questions um earlier on in the season they had that early scare with Riley Baisden's ACL injury and I think 
we don't know how the season would have panned out, but I think that they've shown that they've got lots of attacking options. They've got exciting attacking options. Sophia Sakalis, I really enjoy watching her play as well. But underneath it all is that kind of like, yeah, the the grit, which we I think the pivotal moment of that was the the Wellington Perth game. But anyway, yeah, so very, very fun. And I'm super pleased for them, I think, um, in terms of, yeah, because this is what, counts and I think that there's other teams which have kind of shown this as well this round that yeah you can play pretty football or whatever you can have good shots but you've got to convert I know that's super obvious it's like when people say at futsal you know I think we should just get the go- like the ball in the back of the net and then that should be our strategy and you're like thanks thanks that's great but genuinely I don't know that seemed to work for Perth here good for them um also, yeah, absolute shock around for keepers. Uh, like, sorry to yeah, all keepers. Yeah, I was I about know. to say that, like, according to the stats, Melissa Barbieri didn't save a single shot that she faced. She faced four shots and she let all of them in. <laughs> and one of them she basically gave to the other team. So that was, yeah, it's not a good... But Sarah Langman, I thought, had a really good game. Like, sort of across the board, the goalkeepers had a bit of a stinker, but Sarah Langman made a couple of very, very important saves, particularly towards the end. She was also poor on City's opener, though, so it was just like yes. Yes, it was nightmare fuel. And we mentioned, you know, Hilary Beal for Vesna Milivojevic, like just not a great week for the keepers. But we move on, we ride. The really interesting to, interesting thing for me with City is we spoke about it last week when Harrow was on and we were talking about how, like, City have such a just wide array of attacking options but it seems that like putting all of them on isn't working so we've seen that there were changes made in this game Wilkinson was on the bench bench so she became an option off it um and you know the likes of Galich, Rojas, McNamara, Polisina they were all obviously interplaying really well they were creating chances um just adding more stats City had 83 entries into the final third and were in the penalty area 43 times. That's bonkers. They were just like bonkers. They were constantly in there and yet they've only scored three goals. One of them was an absolute gift. Um, And, you know, another one was when those changes were made because obviously Hannah Wilkinson was one of the goal scorers. So it's like, They've obviously recognised that maybe having all of the options on the park at the same time, not the right goer, but there is also then, I suppose, an element of um, learning to be done between those that were on the park. So is that maybe what we saw, that element of like, we've got the build-up play, we've got the combinations, I know you're going to make that run, I'm going to do this pass, yada, 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 but just no final product. And like, that would be cool halfway through the season but we've got one round left before finals and there is a mathematical possibility that City like they could drop out of finals I'm pretty sure if other results you know happen we we can't even get into permutations chat um but yeah so it was just really interesting like have City left figuring out their attacking formula too late to a point that it's going to hurt them or become a situation where they have 32 shots, 11 on target, but still can't win a match. Like, I don't know. We're going to find out. And Dario Vitisic will definitely be hoping that it's not the case. And by next or the weekend coming up, everything's kind of sorted or the kinks are worked out and everyone's um, done their 100 shots 
at you know training to make sure that they know what hitting the back of the net feels like um but yeah just the chaos unbelievable so good so good as a neutral it just it like I know you made fun of Sam for doing best game ever but really genuinely like that's how it felt it was just like yes chaos and every time we talk about a game like this Marissa like I always feel like we have a moment where we're like this is peak dub this is it we've reached it this is the ceiling but we like it's it's almost like we just tempt fate and it's like and then a game like this happens it's like okay well surely surely this is this is it and this has to because what like in in what other kind of insanities can possibly occur in a game with number one the kind of um stakes that are as particularly high as this number two like having just the ridiculous players popping up from nowhere doing things after not doing things for almost the entire season in that way kind of thing um and just and like it, it yeah, I, it's yeah, it's great though. That's why, that's why we love it, right? Because football can be so boring, it can be so predictable. But like when she like this happens, and Perth is particularly good at this. Like towards the back ends of their seasons, they usually come up really clutch with like a game or two like this. I remember a couple of seasons ago when they went on that absolutely tearing run after they were out of finals, and they were just like, oh, it turns out we can actually play really good football now that we don't give a shit. And they just went and just pummeled all these teams. It was crazy. I'd say, yeah, I love it. This is why also vindication for the extended season as well. Had the season not been extended, we would have finished this like what a couple of weeks ago. And some of the best games that have been played in the dub so this like so far this campaign wouldn't have happened. So shout out to the APL for that. Sometimes you do have to give them credit. Better late than never. Sometimes they're not always wrong, but only sometimes. <laughs> Also, just the the dub can't peak. The A leagues cannot peak because we're constantly peaking, baby. But we're not getting into that. Let's move on to one of the other deeply chaotic games. You, you would expect, in terms of like goals scored, we would talk about Newcastle Wellington, but we're going to talk about Western United Canberra because it was a very convincing three nil win to Canberra United over Western. And it's, I feel like it's been a kind of recurring theme throughout our kind of second half of the season pods where it's just like, Weston, are you, is everything okay? Like, are you, it just, it's not, mm. you know, it's not the same as it was at the start of the season, to quote my favourite philosopher, Harry Styles. Um, <laughs> so... I just, it's obviously, it's great for Canberra. They've really just sort of, um, they hit the extreme lows of those back-to-back 5-0 losses and kind of haven't really looked back since. They had their appeal of the points deduction that was successful. So the three points have been reinstated, their goal difference has been reinstated, and they are now an absolutely genuine player in this title race. But with this game in particular, this 3-0 win, like, how have Canberra been able to turn this corner, but Western United seem to be, you know, passing the other way where they just don't look as, they don't look as dominant as they once were, but they also don't look like they can scrap it late either, which was a real hallmark of their early season victories. So what what's going on basically? What's the deal with Western United and Canberra? I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> I don't have answers for anything girlies but 
<laughs> I feel just having had a look at the notes for this episode, Marissa, I think you have a hypothesis of sorts um, related to key clientele leaving Western United. And I think you've done the research to kind of justify that hypothesis if you wanted to. Um, I think to, yeah, feel free to go ahead. I think there's some other things happening there as well, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. They've had a very bizarre season and I'm surprised. I know that it's maths and that it's fine, but I'm still surprised they're number one. Like I was like the, the early kind of zoomies up in front as like premiership contenders just feel so long ago when you look at the team that we're seeing at the moment. Um, I did just want to add as well. I don't really know who friend of the pod Tom was talking about when he said this, um, but the get like the game was on the telly, the Cambria Western game. Uh, Canberra scored their second goal and he just goes, he's on the toot and he's just like fucking useless. <laughs> like, okay, great Tom. Thank you. <laughs> because now he's, he's just in case anyone was wondering now he's taking credit for Canberra being good. So there's, there's our hypothesis for why Canberra are good now, because you know, he had some takes and they were like, God, Tom, Tom's back at it. Better get our act together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not sure who he was referring to with that, that particular comment, but um, anyway, uh, Marissa. Yeah. So like, look, I have like, I've, shared this hypothesis I think we all have to be honest basically like they lost Jess McDonald they lost Chloe Legazzo but she's back now which is very exciting um and Keep Up did all the dirty work for me so I'm absolutely stealing Keep Up's work here but basically Western United's form with Jess McDonald nine games eight wins one defeat perfection Western United without Jess McDonald eight games four wins four defeat four defeats the, the goals for and against aren't that different. Like there is a difference, but I don't think it's statistically important in my uh, expert opinion as a statistician. <laughs> um, but yeah, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago where, um, or maybe it was last week, I don't even remember, all the pods blur into one, just about like the sustainability of getting players on guest contracts or getting mm. players on loan and then not having them available for the whole season. If ever there was maybe an argument against it, I feel like Western United post Jess McDonald is maybe an example, but they're also a great case study in what value a guest contract and a loan player can bring as well. So it's a really weird balance, but just... You'd have to say they're not as impressive as they have been when they're not able to call on Jess McDonald. And I think Chloe Legazzo absolutely works into that conversation as well. Obviously, different circumstances between um, the injury and then getting recalled to Kansas City and then being let go by Kansas City. So now she's back at Western full time, which is good for all of us who enjoy watching Chloe Legazzo. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a really interesting situation where. Western United were so obviously good and it seems bizarre that they aren't that good, that, like, they haven't been able to maintain the rage because, in my opinion, there's nothing nothing beyond the kind of absences that, that they've had to 
explain why they haven't been able to maintain that range. I don't think other teams have like figured them out or whatever it is. I just think it's they've missed those players that were so crucial to what made them so impressive in the first half of the season. And now they're, you know, they're finding ways to do stuff, but not nearly as scarily or consistently as they need to, to actually, um, I suppose, factor in my mind as a real threat come finals. Like we're talking about the finals race of all the six potential teams that, you know, could end up playing in finals this season, I would argue Western United is maybe one of the weakest or the less scary options because Sydney United, United, that's not correct, Sydney have found great form. The Melbourne teams, they're patchy, but they're not as, I suppose, I feel like they can still turn it on. We've seen them turn it on recently enough. Canberra is one of the form teams in the comp and Perth, as we've literally just spoken about, can be a real spanner in the works if they do make it to finals. But Western, I'm just like, are they geared for finals? Are they ready for finals? I'm not 100% sold. I would love it if they proved me wrong because them winning would be just a sensational story. But I'm not sold on what's kind of happening in this second half of the season. I think it's 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 a couple of different things. Like one is absolutely the loss of some of those players. And you notice uh, as soon as Jess McDonald left, that friend of the pod, Hannah Keane, had to do so much more work on her own. And the last sort of two or three games in particular, you really saw her basically just having to strike out on her own and be that sole number nine chasing shadows. Um, so much more of the goal-scoring burden is resting on her shoulders now, whereas when you think back to those earlier games, she wasn't really, like, she was great, but she wasn't really the star. And by virtue of that, she was able to, I think, play smarter. She was able to almost, like, hide in the the shadow of a Jess McDonald in some ways. She sort of, like, snuck in to get little tap-ins. She combined really well with her, but she wasn't sort of, like, the Michelle Heyman of the team, whereas she is now. She's become that now. And I think because other teams have become more familiar with her and more familiar with Western as a squad, they are able to um, counteract that a little bit better than what they did at the start of the season when they were still a a brand new prospect and no one really knew who these people were unless you'd played against her before. Um, So I think that's one thing. I think the second thing is that the teams who they have come up against in the last, particularly in the last month, are really good teams. They're really good teams in really good form. Like it's a Sydney FC, it's a Canberra, as you mentioned, Marissa. Like these are teams who have found their vibe um, and are coming into finals, having timed, having timed that sort of ebb and flow over the course of their season well, so that they come into the, the latter half of or the latter third of their campaign, um, hitting their straps and sort of rocketing up the up the ladder. And to um, Angela's earlier point about it doesn't feel like Western should be the team in number one spot, technically they shouldn't be because Brisbane Raw uh, won against them, right, a couple of weeks ago and uh, they had that result overturned because Brisbane fielded an ineligible player. So technically Western have three points that they didn't earn. And that's the reason why they're currently sitting at the top of the ladder, two points ahead of Sydney FC. It really should be Sydney. And I'm not just saying this as a Sydney fan. I'm saying it because that's actually the maths, right? I know Marissa just gave me the big eyes. She's like, no, you're really lying. 
but it, but this that like that's the fact. And so this is going to be an interesting thing, right? This week, if Brisbane decide to appeal that decision, it could potentially actually completely alter the the the, the nature of the premiership race because Sydney FC are going to be back in first spot and Western are going to fall into second where they should have been originally. So, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, and I also, I, I think the third thing as well is that, and we've spoken about this in the past when it comes to teams uh, who reach the semis and, and sometimes the final. I remember talking about this, for example, when <clears throat> the Wanderers made the top four for the first time or Adelaide, where they hadn't been there before. It's uncharted territory and they didn't they didn't have that kind of big game experience. They didn't really know what to do when they got there. And usually if they're able to back it up the next season and they get back to that same spot, they can go further than what they used to. This is Western's first season. So they've like they've come all this way with this brand new club. It's a brand new campaign, it's new kind of football and they are probably getting to the point now where they're like they don't have the experience anymore they don't know what to do from here so I'm going to be really curious to see how they handle because they've qualified for the semi-finals I'm going to be really curious to see how they handle the nature of that game because we've seen in the past that teams who sometimes do well throughout the season get to that first hurdle and then completely fall apart just because of the by virtue of the nature of the pressure of it and it it being a a one-off knockout game that they can't bounce back from they have to win it um yeah so it's going to be it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, but all this also depends on larger permutations that happen over the next one and a half rounds because we do have some midweek games. So let's uh, see how we go. Uh, I guess my only other take, what was really noticeable in the this game against Canberra, um, yeah, definitely what you were saying, Sam, about the, the attacking options. Um lacking lacking attacking options and and lacking um service for a player like Hanakin that's become very noticeable but also they got quite frustrated um it seemed and were being quite physical but in ways that didn't necessarily like translate into anything like um yeah just getting fouls called on them basically um and so it was quite a in places it was quite a scrappy game but it was just like they don't seem to have a lot of a game plan to get around those moments where they when they are on the back foot um because yeah they've they've had they did have those wins earlier on in the season where they held on and then they were able to get the late goal um and were able to persist but the dynamic of those games that's different to yeah trying to claw back which they're they're having to try and do at the moment um because teams are putting them past them so yeah it's an interesting I don't know if that's a a coaching thing maybe as to what they can do if they need to be that kind of looking more at their game management calming things down I don't even I don't even know if I would consider them to be a very like possession-based team in a lot of ways I don't, people might correct me there. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, it, just the, the, the style that they were able to carry through the first half of the season is just like not really working now as well. So yeah, will be interesting, but I, I, and I also just wanted to add as well, like the fact that we've got a team that's just coming to the dub and has been able to stay at the top of the table for this long as well is like massively impressive. And I think that 
kudos does need to be given there um but it's interesting to think about like yeah if there was like is there an alternative universe where jess mcdonald's doing like well she wouldn't be because she'd be playing in the nwsl but like a stint at the later half of the season um what what this western united team might be looking at or if yeah if the appeal would even i don't know my brain's gone off in different directions now like would jess mcdonald even want to like come to western united in the middle of the season if like they weren't just like starting afresh and there was this great project that had been sold to her anyway sorry tangent those are my thoughts please make me be quiet now (laughs) i will never never silence you um but this is a very good point in which for me to put my host hat on and just say some newsy bits so first and foremost we are recording on a tuesday at about 4 30 p.m so we mentioned that canberra's appeal was successful for their points uh deduction we still don't know if brisbane have actually appealed their points deduction i'm pretty sure today was the day that had to be in if they were going to appeal it Um, So we don't know. So unfortunately, the beauty and the shame of podcasting is that it is not. So we are recording when we don't actually know what the deal is. And probably by the time you are listening to this, you will know more than us. So sometimes it really do be like that. Um, So we wait to see if Brisbane will appeal and what happens there with all of that. I wanted to say just um, a, a, an early how good. Weston obviously did not have a good day at the office, but the whole team were wearing purple uh, wristbands and scrunchies, and I was like, what the hell's going on here? friend of the pod, Angie P, had posted uh, on Instagram post game saying that the whole team were wearing these purple arm ba- uh, wristbands and scrunchies to raise awareness for domestic violence. So she shared that that was what the team was doing. And then in the very next slide, shared a whole bunch of uh, phone numbers and resources that people can utilise. So I just, it's it's something that the women's game does so well. If there is a cause that the players want to get behind, they will. And we know as well, you know, from when we had Angie on the pod, she does love getting behind this kind of stuff. When we had her on, she was at Victory and she was, Uh, donating $100 to Beyond Blue for every clean sheet that Melbourne Victory kept during that season. So um, it's just, it's really nice knowing that the players, I suppose (laughs) it sounds so weird, that they're people and they care about other things besides football. And it just makes them so much more human and also so much more likable because they're just normal people who care about things. I've worded that really weirdly, but yeah, wanted to give big kudos to Western United as a whole for doing that obviously they would have loved to have been able to you know be celebrating a win and probably being interviewed post game and being able to mention it and all that kind of stuff my final thought or question for all of you which was my first rondo question that i was meant to ask um was does chloe legazzo coming back we mentioned that um she had been recalled to her parent club kansas city in the nwsl Um, And then Western United announced that she was back on a full-time deal until the end of next season um, from memory. And that was because she had been let go by Kansas City. Will her return actually fix Western's problems? Do they become the team of the first half of the season with Chloe Legazzo's reintroduction? I think it depends on her fitness. One of the big reasons why she's been out of this season so much is because she's been dealing with a foot injury and 
when I caught up with her during World Pride, um, she was still not running. She was still just only able to walk on it. I think it's a Lynn's Frank injury, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is something that a number of Matildas have had in the past. So it really depends on, number one, the fitness of her foot, but number two, her match fitness as well. I mean, we saw her come off the bench and and was able to make a really big impact when she did so for Western at the start of the season. Um, but match fitness is an entirely different thing. And when you've been on the sidelines for as long as she has and not really able to do very much, there's probably not a, a like, there's not really that much time left for it to be able to make a huge impact uh, back at Western now. And you, you'd use her strategically, I think. You'd want to bring her on. Um, if she's fit enough to run for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, because you know, as you've seen in the past, that she's able to score a goal, she can assist, she can change things. Um, but anything beyond that, I think it's 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 too late. Yeah, I don't think so. As in, I don't think she will be able to carry this team to some silverware, unfortunately. Um, but I hope that she's back playing soon and she has a nice time. Uh, that's what I, yeah. I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> Tilly's okay, hat Angela, on. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, but like genuinely Tilly's hat on. A, a fit Chloe Legazzo as an option for Tony Gustafson to select. Yes, please. I would like that. I think that would be really neat. Um, but yeah, I figured out what else I wanted to say in my newsy bit. It was the fact that because we are recording on Tuesday afternoon, we've got one game of dub tonight, which is Adelaide v Wellington, and then the really big one tomorrow, Sydney versus Perth. Um, That one has potentially massive ramifications uh, for the look of the ladder. Like if Sydney win, it's very much looking like they're, premiership to win a draw is obviously the most chaotic and fun result for the uh, the rest of us um and a Perth win is kind of wild but completely on the table and it will see three teams enter the final round of the season on 28 points which is just delicious and spicy and we absolutely love to see it but Um, It's a good segue into my other Rondo question. So I'm going to read the ladder to you now as it stands on Tuesday at 4.34pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. We've got Western United on top because of their bonus points from Brisbane on 36 points. Sydney's in second on 34. Melbourne City, 29. Melbourne Victory, 28. Canberra, 28 and Perth Glory 25. We've got seven games left of this regular season. Next Monday, when we're starting to prepare for the last round pod, who are the four teams that are going to be playing finals? This is my question to the pair of you. All right. I think the top four will stay as it is. Uh, the reason that I think that is because looking at the games that are yet to be played, um, I don't think Perth will beat Sydney. Uh, and the reason for that is because, number one, Sydney have had uh, a day extra rest from their game this past weekend and also Perth have to travel. So that's probably going to take it out of them. Um, so for that reason, I think Sydney will stay where they are. And I also don't think Canberra are going to beat Melbourne City. I think that 
city, sorry, is that is that right? No, it's not. Yes, no, it is. Um, I think City will be really angry at that loss to Perth and I think they will be able to fix things before they face Canberra. And they also know that they, like, they sort of have to win if they want to really secure their spot. Um, and so do Melbourne Victory, but Melbourne Victory played Wellington. So there's not a huge amount of sort of question marks, although they could be because this is the chaos dub, so who knows. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't I don't think that anything necessarily is going to change the top four. I think it will stay as it is. I'm just can I just like say what I think will happen and then someone else do the maths? Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I think Brisbane, even though I thought you were gonna be like, I I think Western will stay on top because Brisbane about it. Admin. I don't know if this is true or not, but <laughs> I do feel like given that Canberra have won their appeal it's quite likely that Brisbane will win their mm. appeal in which case uh-huh. Western will lose points so they'll go from 36 to 33 Sydney will bump up uh I also don't I'm not feeling I'm not feeling confident about Western um I feel like Western Sydney could get them again um and that was such a spicy match last time um true so i feel like yeah nothing's guaranteed for western but they'll be in the top four uh because matt um sydney who cares uh (laughs) victory i also have trust issues with victory at the moment i don't trust them to beat wellington and so i'm really hoping Mm. that they do win and that Canberra beat uh, City because then that will mean, oh, and then Perth beat Sydney and then I don't know how that ends up. But basically like City not in the top four is what I'm kind of angling for. Maybe this is just manifestation. I don't know if this is, but I do, yeah. I think City, I think Canberra could beat City. So, and then if they do beat City, that means that they're in the top four, no? If Canberra beats City, if Canberra beats City and Melbourne Victory lose to Wellington, Victory are out of the top four. But Canberra are in? Yes. Well, this places me in a difficult position, doesn't it? Do I want to admit it? I think I think Canberra making finals this season would be more to me than Victory making finals because I think when Victory have made finals past two seasons, it's because they have come a, come up against really difficult circumstances and there's been like a fairy tale and it's just been so easy to buy into that. Um, I know I'm a Victory fan, but like I feel like Canberra has that story this season. Mm. Um, you know, they shout the bed, but they've washed the sheets, they've got it together, they've cleaned their act up. Oh, sorry, that's a terrible, terrible metaphor. Everyone, I'm I'm so sorry. I've disgusted myself. I didn't realize it was possible. Um sorry to Cameron oh, United. Shit. What I'm saying is that I'm rooting for you. Go girlies. Anyway, so uh yeah, I like so yeah, I'm hoping if Canberra can get into the top four, that would be a really exciting twist for the end of the season. I don't know if that's continued. I don't know if they can they can do that. Victory can stay in the top four and City can get out. That's kind of like yeah. what I would love. That, that's an option. 
Can can Perth get in? Uh, Perth can get in, but it starts with it's only, them. Only on goal difference, though. Oh, no, actually, they've got two they, games. If they, they yes, get so they points can. off Sydney on Wednesday, that does their cause a lot of good. And then they play Brisbane. Which, they, again, like, who knows what Brisbane is going to show up? So, mm. like, that's a, a – a lot of these games are big old question marks because I, like – you were saying, Sam, that like I don't think Canberra can beat Melbourne City, but then it's like they could. Like, they, like it's just a big question mark. Yeah, and it's the they same could. with the the Western Girly Derby. That's a big question mark because we don't know. Um, and there's just a lot of games coming up that I'm like, I can, I could very convincingly make an argument that this result will occur, and I, I occur, and I can just as easily make a convincing argument that this result will occur, which is very dub, to be fair. So, a, a universe oh. in which Melbourne City drop out of the top four is a universe in which Perth win both of their games against Sydney and against Brisbane, Canberra beat City, and Victory beat Wellington. Then I think Melbourne City drop out of the top four. I think you've added some unnecessary ones because I'm pretty sure like the Perth well uh, the Perth Sydney game doesn't actually impact anything because no, so like, but if the five six, they, they, they go to depending on their goal difference as well goal difference is something I am not willing to put brain power into, so <laughs> sorry listeners you, if, Perth, you come... if Perth beats Sydney tomorrow they will go to 28 points right equal points with Canberra and with Melbourne victory Depending on how many goals they score, they could be at the top of that bunch or at the bottom of that bunch. Yes. And then, depending on if they beat Brisbane, they could go even further up on the ladder. Yeah. But um, in terms of if, City not being included, Canberra needs so to beat them and Victory Canberra needs, needs to win. Canberra needs to beat them and Victory needs to win so that that's, they can like, leave Perth doesn't come into points. the equation. Um, oh, that's and annoying. I'm, Perth were in my pretty sure. as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as well. So, like, Sydney and Western can't move like they can move nah. between each other but they are one and two so it's literally yep. four teams vying for two spots yes um and we we tried permutations chat but we're just not good <laughs> we also um yeah we should instruct listeners please get the table out in front of you it's probably changed by this point so actually none of this will make sense sorry um <laughs> i like don't know how i feel like I don't want Wellington to get the wooden spoon, but for Wellington to not get the wooden spoon, they have to beat Victory, which is uncomfortable. But I just, I f- like, that because they would have to win their last two games to, like, overtake Newcastle. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I feel quite strongly about this. I'm, like, Newcastle are, in my heart, the wooden spoon for this season. I feel like, <laughs> into, and that's, no, that is quite insulting. No matter how much, how how well you phrase it. Um, but I do think, I don't know. I've just like going through this chat. I'm like, this has been a really fun season. It's been really, really nice, and it's been really, really competitive. I think it's been the most competitive yeah. season of the dub that we've seen so far. So the fact that we can even have this discussion is really exciting. And bring on having more teams in the finals as well, because then that will be less maths for us or maybe more i don't know i think someone it's please confirm that's definitely uh, more math. Oh, also then uh, there's conversations like if so we're going to 12 teams next 
season, if we make it a six-team final series, do we want it to be a six-team final series or do we want to keep it elite with the top four? I don't know. That's a conversation we don't need to have today. But let's quickly look at what we do have coming up. So like I said, in a couple of hours, you can watch Adelaide v Wellington. Tomorrow night, you will have Sydney v Perth and then the round 20 games, which people were talking about like, why don't we have simultaneous kickoffs? The one round where simultaneous kickoffs would have just been chef's kiss doesn't matter we've got wellington taking on victory the western girly derby united and sydney wanderers brisbane take on perth sydney host newcastle and then really the the big one here is melbourne city taking on canberra so so much to look forward to i'm already excited for next week's episode because we're gonna have to unpack all of the insanity that is about to occur in the next seven games of dub i love I love her so much. Let's move on to other things like a boot. (laughs) It's a funny boot, which is always a nice change of pace. Um, The boot is to EA Sports, who don't know what women look like. (laughs) Even when they have those women in a room doing full body scans. I just someone else please I just it's I can't <sighs> all right so, so anyone who has followed the NWSL for a while probably is uh, very aware of what's happening so EA Sports they're the publisher of the FIFA video game um and the FIFA 23 version this year is going to be the last version that they do before all this stuff happens in the background and they have to change to like suppliers or whatever so EA Sports, um, they in this FIFA 23 version, they brought out um, some uh, like additions in terms of including women for the first time in uh, some of the modes, um, though not career mode, which is still just like what, what you're doing. Uh, and one of the additions to that is the NWSL competition. So they added the NWSL recently um, to sort of roll it out as like an extra package that you can download. Um, and... A lot of uh, FIFA players and a lot of the players themselves noticed very, very quickly that uh, their avatars, their characters in the game looked absolutely nothing like them. They were basically just the QWOP versions of themselves. Uh, There were some incredible reactions. Sydney LaRue was one of my favourites, just absolutely dragging EA Sports for not just not doing what they should be doing. Like it's not like it's new technology that needs to be invented. They've got almost every single male player under the sun in this game and they seem to have done pretty well in creating likenesses for them. Uh, Is it something about women have boobs and hair and so like how do we do that? Uh, It's uh, it's almost like we should be a multi-billion dollar video game company. So they got rightfully dragged by lots and lots of people and it was very, very funny. Alex Chidiak as well got on board uh, with with the the roast um, and said something along the lines of, I wore a hairnet for this? Because like the, the actual process behind creating these likenesses in video games is really complex. Like you have to go in and get proper scans um, you do all take, get taken your photo, like your photo taken off from all of these different angles. You need to do lots of different facial expressions. Like it's a whole proper thing. It's like a scientific experiment in some ways. 
and and they they just turn out this it's it's like they just what would just like took all this data and were like you know what we'll just take like the early 2000s barbie version and just like model that and then paint them different skin tones then that's about it it was wild some of them didn't have hair some of them celebrated in really weird ways and and had their body parts moving in directions that they really shouldn't be um it yeah it was it's incredible like it's on the one hand it's hilarious because it's a video game and who gives a shit but on the other hand it's just another reminder that like the women's game is still so far behind in just stupid ways in ways that are so easy to fix there's so these things are just like you have the the technology you have the resources you have the people there you have the designers you have the coders you have everyone there already what are you doing like does anyone check this shit clearly not it's uh, it's ridiculous so big old boot to ea sports we're gonna have to remix the sigh that you do before you intro a boot sam <laughs> at the end of this a-league women's season there's been a lot <sighs> all right i'll do it <laughs> I want to make a bloop for real. It's just we say so much dumb shit, but like, <laughs> it doesn't all fit in a neat little snippet. Um, but yeah, it's just how has the technology gotten like the men's likeness down to like moles and like single eyebrow hairs? Like, I'm thinking of Cristiano Ronaldo's like perfectly manicured eyebrows. You know, that shit's in FIFA. And Jess Fishlock, who, you know, long-term dub fans will know, know what she looks like. She looked mean. She looked like she was going to mug me in an alleyway. Like, it was just awful. And there were so many players. And like you said, Sam, Sydney LaRue's Twitter was basically just like the the place to see all of the reactions. They were done so dirty. They were done so, so dirty. It makes absolutely no sense. But, um... Danny Weatherholt, a Vuck legend, uh, Danny Weatherholt, her breakdancing celebration made me laugh because, um, as she said, she's like, I don't think I can do that, but sure, loved it. Uh, do better, EA Sports. Big boot, big boot. Let's wrap up with some how goods, though, because there was, again, lots of how goods from this weekend's action. So, Angela, kick us off a how good. Uh, this how good was referenced earlier on in the episode so it shouldn't be too much of a surprise also shouldn't be too much of a surprise given who I am as a person but uh, Michelle Heyman uh, tallied the most games ever for an A-League women's player so she's bumped Teresa Polias from that and very good news for us uh, Teresa Polias fans when she was speaking to this on I think it was on Dubzone she was like hmm might not be ever yet Michelle but in a much more professional and, and um, well-phrased way. It was basically like, I haven't hung up the boots yet, which we'll get into in a sec because some really big, fabulous names are doing that at the moment. But yeah, anyway, Michelle Heyman, 158 games. She's been in the competition, I think, for 15 years. Um, she played in the very first A-League women's fixture for Sydney FC. What a career. Um, to think also in 2019, she retired from football. Um, she wasn't, wasn't having a good time. Um, and then she came back and she's back with Canberra United. Um, she's played at a few different clubs, but I think most people will agree that, you know, Canberra United and Michelle Heyman go hand in hand. And, yeah, just fantastic to see her play yet another season with Canberra United in 
fantastic form and to get this wonderful achievement as well um so yeah congratulations to michelle Heyman. and uh there's another like i forget that she's also 34 i i'm kind of disgusted by how good she is still at that age and just like i don't think she's showing any signs of slowing down either which is ridiculous so yes amazing stuff how good michelle Heyman's supremacy Michelle Heyman, how good. We love Michelle Heyman. Um, Sam, how good from you? Um, first of all, um, Michelle Heyman for Matildas? Michelle Heyman for Matildas? That's a Michelle serious Heyman conversation we should be having. That's a serious thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in on it. Sorry. I, if you read my big board by myself, um, I had her as like in the conversation. And now with Gilnick out, I'm like, Heyman. Yep. It's time. it's time. Sorry. I will edit out the demon. Come on, Tony. We know you're listening. No, we no, no. Listening. Keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So my my how good is a bit of a sad how good. Um, this is uh, how good acknowledging the recent announcement of the retirements of a couple of really incredible uh, veteran players in the dub. The first is... A fellow Canberra United legend, Ellie Brush, who uh, decided that she is now at the point where she wants to retire um, after a similarly long uh, career in this competition. She was Canberra United's first ever captain back uh, in the day, and she's won several trophies across Canberra, across Sydney. She's uh, had two big ACL uh, injuries, but she's managed to come back and to to see her career off on her own terms, which is what friend of the pod, Grace Gill, um, phrased it as, which is just wonderful. She's got married, she's got a baby, and she's moving into the next chapter of her life. So we cannot wait to see what she does next. We hope that she stays involved with Canberra in the same way that a number of other former players like Caitlin Munoz, Ash Sykes have all sort of stayed involved behind the scenes. That would be fabulous. So congratulations, Ellie. You're an absolute legend um, and we can't wait to see what you do next. Kim Carroll is another one over at Perth Glory. She made her the name for herself, though, at Brisbane um, and also a, a several times capped Matilda um, back in the sort of early 2000s. Kim Carroll is one of those players who is very similar to Claire Polkinghorne, is, is incredibly understated but has been so crucial uh, in so many football teams for such a long time, so consistent, such a leader, uh, and has brought um, uh, has really brought both Brisbane and and Perth into sort of their next era of players, their next generations. Um, she, yeah, similar sorts of vibes. She's in her mid thirties now. She's got a family. She wants to move on to the next part of her life, the next uh, form of her career. And even though she said that she still loves it and she can still clearly play at this level, um, she is wanting to make the decision for herself. So. Full credit to her um, for, for making that choice and, and being able to go out on top with a, a Perth Glory team like this one, which we've just been ranting and raving about for the past hour, I think is fabulous. And uh, the, the other sort of major player is Tara Andrews at the Newcastle Jets. Tara is another one of those players who really has not been acknowledged anywhere near enough for how significant she has been, not just to the club, but also to the dub. Uh, she is the tallest woman in Newcastle, as long-term listeners of this podcast will know and appreciate. And as a tall gal myself, I am deeply respectful of everything that she's done. 
Uh, Tara's Newcastle's all-time leading goal scorer in the dub as well. Um, she's been part of this competition for over a decade. She's almost 30 now. Um, and she's just been one of those players who I think really encapsulates everything that Newcastle has been about. She's been a really hard worker. She's been really consistent. And she's always been a team player. She's never really been someone to try and um, hog the spotlight. She's never someone to... Um, bask in her own glories or in her own statistics. She's just been a really fantastic um, presence, I think, in the competition. So those are the three sort of major players. And Claire Quelio as well, Newcastle Jets goalkeeper, also announced her retirement. I think we'll probably see a couple more at the end of this season um, as it wraps up and then we move into the Women's World Cup and then sort of the next chapter of this whole competition takes off after that. But those three players in particular, I think, are incredibly special and they're the kinds of players who you don't realise how much they've done until you actually sit and think about it because they they don't necessarily rack up the incredible highlights reels. They don't set the records. They you know, don't have the big media personalities, but they're the kinds of players who have been absolute pillars for their clubs and for this whole competition over the last 15 years. So on behalf of all of us in the pod and everyone who's listening, I just want to sort of send like a, like a universal message of thanks to, to to these three players because the dub would not be the same without them. Really, truly would not be the same without them. I'm going to do rapid fire how goods because there were so many and I want to mention them all. So first of all, Melissa Barbieri straight back into the lineup after injury for her 100th A-League women's appearance. We're going to talk about like pillars and backbones of Australian women's football. Bubs is it. She started her career over 25 years ago in the women's NSL, has been a fixture throughout Matilda's W League, A League women's sensational. So, so stoked that she got to rack up the hundo and really just celebrate what has been a phenomenal career. So how good Bubs hundo. Cass Davis scored her first goal after 127 I think it is, 128, I'm so sorry, appearances. It was one of those, I think it was the longest streak of like most games without a goal and it has been broken. Friend of the podcast, Davis, absolutely love to see it. How good, very first goal. What else did we have? The Tillies are back in the top 10 of the FIFA rankings. FIFA rankings don't mean a lot, but North Korea finally dropped out of the top 10 because they've finally been inactive long enough for them to drop out of the rankings. So the Tillies are back in the top 10. Let's FN go. We love to see it. How good. And finally, we talked about how Chloe Legazzo is back. Western United's social media came, campaign to announce her return. So good. It was. I was so angry because I was so confused for so long because Western United's social team were tweeting Eminem lyrics and I'm like what are you trying to say and then they tweeted this video that just had the most well not random but just the weirdest collection of people there was Sam Kerr there was Roy Kent there was Craig Goodwin there was Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody there were all of these people just in this video and we were like what use your words Western United what are you trying to say but cryptic clues it was so fun I I loved it 
cryptic but it was it was genuinely so much fun it got so much engagement and it was like nice to see that many quote tweets not be like someone being shitted on for being a dickhead um so I really enjoyed that it was really fun once I found out what it was so big cow good to the western united social media team that was fun let's do it again next season for your your next announcements I thought it was great so big big how goods but that's a big episode and I think we should wrap it up so thank you so much for tuning in as always we are over on espn.com.au and the espn app as well as spotify apple google all of the usual pod spots if you like what we do leave a review and subscribe we've got a big weekend of dub coming up we've got two massive matilda's games coming up so you will be hearing from us a lot and we absolutely cannot wait to give you all the content if you want to have a chat to us though we are at the far post pod on all social media but until next time I just think it's funny that friend of the pod can mean like esteemed guest and it can also be the man in my toilet yelling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>